open your copy of God's Word one more time to the book of Ephesians. We've been there for some time in this series that we called Shine. We've been studying the latter part of the book. You know, we studied 1 through 3, uh, chapters 1 through 3 at another time, and this time was 4 through 6. And God willing, we're going to finish up that study today. Um, I remember as a boy growing up in church during vacation Bible school, um, we would come in to Vacation Bible School and, and like we still do here, we would say the pledges. And we would pledge, first of all, to the American flag and then we would pledge to the Christian flag and then we would pledge to the Bible. And when you're a kid, I mean, to get to carry the flag or get to carry the Bible, I mean, that was a big deal. It's still a big deal, by the way. But I remember back when we were growing up that we would say the pledge and then we would sing a song or a portion of a song. And so we would pledge to the American flag and then we would sing, My Country Tis of Thee. And then we would pledge to the uh, Christian flag and, um, or, or the Bible. We pledge to the Bible last, but I'll mention it second. We would pledge to the Bible and we would sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E Bible. And, of course, secondly, we would pledge to the Christian flag. And then we would sing the song, Onward, Christian Soldiers. Probably sometime or or maybe several times during the week, we would sing this song. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never, never zoom on the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And we would sing that out. And we, would, we had a good time singing that. We especially enjoyed zooming over the enemy and then snapping to attention. We liked those songs. And, and back in that day, don't remember any theme songs. We just sang the choruses over and over from year to year. And we would sing these songs. And then sometime during the week, or probably several times during the week, we would inevitably sing this song. I have the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And then we get to the best part of that song, in our opinion, where we would add on this line, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch! Did y'all ever sing that? We do the motion, too. We'd act like we sat on a tack and... and Some of you have never experienced this song. We'll have to add it to the worship service next week. We'd sit on a tack and you you jump up. Sit on a tack. Ouch! I got to thinking about those days as I was studying for this time together. Now I want you to think about the songs I just mentioned. Onward, Christian soldiers. I'm in the Lord's army and the devil on a tack. I guess in a way, they were trying to teach us something about spiritual warfare. Now, it was simple. It was childish, perhaps even a little misleading at times, even exciting. I mean, who wouldn't want to make the devil sit on the tag? Now, don't misunderstand me. I have nothing against those songs. I have fond memory of those songs, and I learned things from those songs. But I have to confess, it was a long time before I came to grips with just how serious this whole idea of spiritual warfare really is. Um, 
The Bible's pretty clear. The Bible's blunt. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. Be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be awake. Be watching because your enemy, like a roaring lion, is walking around looking for people to devour. Now listen, the devil, our enemy, he cannot have us as believers. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, we know he can't have us, but he wants to harm us. He wants to destroy us in whatever way he can. He wants to hinder us. He wants to defeat us. He wants to take away the joy from our lives. And those old songs that we used to sing as children may have given the impression to us that we could defeat the devil in our own strength. We could defeat him on our own. I mean, just get attacked, sit it down, make him sit on attack, and you know, you've got the victory. But the reality is we need much more power than we have. We need the power of the Lord. We need the Lord's strength. So I want to go to this passage one more time in Ephesians 6. And right away... We're reminded that this is not to be done in our strength, but in the Lord's strength. Would you follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read again Ephesians 6, 10 through 24? And I'm telling you where we're going to go today. So last week, we started looking at the armor of God. We're not going to review last week. And so if you missed the pieces we talked about last week, go get the podcast, listen to it, and you can catch up. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. So we covered some of the armor last time. We're going to go and we're going to cover the rest of it today. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that is the trickery, the cunning, the stratagems, the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now we come to verse 17. This is where we kind of pick up our study today. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs that he may comfort your hearts. 
peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, as I did last week, I need to remind you, this is not literal armor. This is not actual metal armor that we're to put on and wear as we go through life. These are spiritual armor uh, pieces. These are pieces of spiritual armor, things that we're to prayerfully put on in our lives. And six pieces are mentioned specifically. We studied the first four last time. So I want to pick up where we left off here in verse 17. And I want to talk to you about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. Well, I want you to think about a helmet for a moment. How important is a helmet to a soldier? We understand it's very important. If you don't know, just think about how important is a helmet to someone who rides a motorcycle. I mean, it is vital. It is key. When you think about a helmet, it protects the brain. It protects the brain. And without that helmet, if there's an accident or an injury or they're in battle and they're attacked in the head, it's going to be a very serious thing. And in a spiritual way, that's what's being talked about here. We take up the helmet of salvation that is protecting our minds. The mind is vital when it comes to spiritual warfare. Much of the battle we're talking about takes place right here. This is where the majority of the battle takes place in our lives. The spiritual battle takes place right here. We must think biblically. Remember, our enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. Even in modern warfare, if you go out and look and study modern warfare, mind games are real. Mind games can be deadly. Mind games, that what you think can bring about defeat in your life. If the enemy can get you to think wrong, they can gain the upper hand. We've got to remember in the heat of the battle, this is a spiritual battle. We have an enemy who wants to defeat us and who wants to harm us and wants to discourage us and wants to hinder us in every step. We've got to remember in the battle, we've got to think right. We've got to think biblically. We've got to remind ourselves we are children of God. We've got to remind ourselves that God is for us, not against us. We've got to remind ourselves that our victory is in Christ. We've got to remind ourselves and think right, realizing this is not my strength and my power. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness. Discouragement can break us. Discouragement can defeat us. We've got to keep our minds focused on Christ. We've got to be thinking Christ-like thoughts. You know, as I've been studying this armor, and I told you, I confessed to you last week, this is when one of those passages in my life that's really been a difficult one to really kind of grasp and understand exactly what... And I'm growing in that. We're growing together. But I've noticed that a lot of these pieces of the armor sort of over, overlap. In other words, we take the belt of truth and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, these all involve knowing the truth and believing the truth and living out the truth. And so all these pieces work together because it's spiritual armor and we need every piece. We live in a day of lies. I would even go so far to say we live in a day filled with propaganda. We live in a day filled with false ideologies. Coming at us from all sorts of areas. They're everywhere. 
They're on the airwaves. They're in print. They're on the Internet. And we've got to guard our minds. We've got to fill our minds with truth. By the way, we've got to be careful what we allow into our minds. Just because it's there doesn't mean you need to take it in. The Bible is very clear what we're to think about and what we're to think upon. And you probably know this as we've been looking at this and looking at these pieces of the armor, that so far all of them are for defense. All of them are for defense. And that's an important key. But the next one, while it helps with defense, we could also say you can use it in the offense, if you will. So we've got all these various pieces, and then we come to the next one, and the next one is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. So, here we are. Verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now, by the way, we're not left to wonder, what is the sword of the Spirit? It's not a sword that you would literally pick up. As fun as that is. We were on vacation. We went to this gigantic knife store. and There was just knives everywhere. And we may or may not have brought some knives out. But anyway, and... It's not what it's talking about. They had some swords in there, too. We didn't get any swords. But when you think about a sword, you think about you know, this, this cool, long, knife-like thing, and it's a sword. That's not what it's talking about. It's very clear here. Verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, watch it, which is what? The Word of God. Now, when you dig a little bit deeper, when you dig a little bit deeper, you find out something very interesting here. Remember, the New Testament is written originally in Greek. And by the way, if you, if you don't know Greek, don't feel bad. I had, I think, four semesters and it's still Greek to me in many ways. But there are those who know it and are scholars. And it's interesting, when you look at the word that's translated word here in the English, you have a Greek word that's translated the English word, word. Does that make sense? Okay, we know what we're talking about? When you look at that word, it's not talking about the whole Bible. It's actually talking about a portion of the Bible. Old Harry Ironside, who used to pastor Moody Church many, many years ago, says, do not make a mistake here. The sword of the Spirit is not the Bible. The Bible is not the sword of the Spirit. It is the armory. There are thousands of swords in here, and every one of them is powerful and two-edged. Perhaps you're still scratching your head saying, what do you mean? Because it says it's the Word of God, and that's the Word of God. So how can you say it's not the Word of God and just part of the Word of God? Well, let me see if I can understand and bring some clarity to you. Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil? It says in Matthew or Luke chapter 4, rather, that the Spirit led the Lord up to be tempted by the devil. And the devil literally tried to tempt. He tempted the Lord Jesus to fall down and worship Him. You remember every time the Lord Jesus was tempted... He responded in the same way. He responded by saying three important words. It is written. It is written. It is written. In other words, when the temptation came, Jesus quoted Scripture to the devil. He quoted Scripture to Satan. Now, he didn't quote the whole Bible. Or what portion of the Bible there was at that time. He didn't start just at Genesis 1-1 and quote all the way through the Old Testament. He would take a portion of the Bible and he would quote it back to the enemy. That's what we mean here by the Bible having thousands of swords and the Bible is an armory. 
By the way, boys and girls, the armory is where they kept all the weapons and the ammunition. It was a place where they stored those things. And when we say that the Bible is an armory, that's what we're talking about. It's the idea of using Scripture as weapons against temptation. For example, let's just walk through a, a scenario and help you understand, I hope. Let's say you have a problem with lying. I would ask if anybody has a problem with lying, but if you do, you probably won't answer honestly anyway. So I won't do that. But let's just say that you have a problem with lying. Lying is a big deal to you. You don't want to lie. You don't mean to lie. But you lie. Then you find yourself in the lie. you got to tell another lie to cover that lie. And before you know it, you're just in a whole series of lying in your life. You need the Lord's help to overcome that sin in your life. And the way to do that is to use the sword of the Spirit. So you need to go to the armory and you need to find some swords, if you will, some weapons, some portions of Scripture, some verses that address your issue. So you go and you look up verses that deal with lying. And so the good news is we live in a modern day. And so I just Googled. Now let me give you a little little caution here. Make sure you look at verses in context. You don't be memorizing weapon verses that Satan said himself, all right? But when you look at verses and you look at them in context, let me give you two, all right? I'll give them to you in a more modern translation, the NLT, So I think it's just helpful to, to memorize them and understand them here. But here are two verses that address lying. So we go to the Bible and we find Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in those who tell the truth. Now, I want you to think about your life. You struggle with lying. And so you take that Proverbs 12, 22 verse, and you begin to memorize that verse. You begin to hide it in your heart. Remember, didn't the Bible say in Psalm 19, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. We say that in the Pledge to the Bible, don't we? One of the reasons we have Scripture is to help us not to sin. It's the revelation of God Himself, but part of it is to help us not to sin. So you begin to memorize that verse. Maybe you write it on a card and you keep it somewhere. You begin to think about that. You begin to memorize it, meditate on it. The Lord detests lying lips. The Lord detests lying lips. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in those who tell the truth. Or maybe, maybe you like Colossians 3.9 better. Or maybe you really have a problem with lying. You memorize both of these verses. Colossians 3, 9 says, Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So just by thinking about those two verses, I know now that when I lie, that's detestable to the Lord. And when I lie, it is wicked. The Lord delights in those who tell the truth. And because I'm new in Christ, I've stripped off the old sinful nature. And so you're tempted to lie. What do you do? Well, if you've been memorizing, meditating on the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can use that verse in your life. Proverbs 12, 22, The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in those who tell the truth. You're a child of God. You want to delight the Lord. You want to please the Lord. By the way, He still loves you if you do fail. It's not earning His love or favor, but because... He does love you because you're His child. You want to please Him. And you can begin to use these verses, these weapons, these swords 
to battle that temptation in your life. Because really, when it comes to an opportunity to, to, with temptation, you've got a choice to make. You can yield to temptation or you can yield not. If you're a believer, the Bible is very clear that there's always a way of escape. That's what the Bible says. There's always a way of escape. You don't have to sin. You don't have to lie. You have a choice to make. But you can't do it all in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have the Word of God. And you put these things together. And so all of a sudden you're there and there's a temptation to lie. I mean, it may be a situation where you're uncomfortable, you're going to get in trouble, you've done something wrong, you just want to make yourself look good, or whatever the case may be. But you're tempted to lie, but then you remember, no, the Lord detests lying lips. I'm no longer that. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've stripped off our old sinful nature and all of its deeds. I want to delight the Lord. I want to do what God's Word says. And there are other verses as well you could add to that list. And you can see how you can use the Word of God to battle the temptation in your life. Now, this works not just for lies. It works for other temptations as well. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's envy. Drunkenness. Pride. I mean, you go on and on and on. You begin to use the Word of God. You go to the armory... You get out the sword of the Spirit, these scriptures that speak to your particular battle, and you begin to memorize them, meditate upon them, and allow the Lord to change you through them. Does that make sense? These, these swords of the Spirit. So you've got here the Bible, and it's like an armory, and all throughout there are these verses that will help us. And if you're serious about it, you can find a verse that will address your particular temptation, your particular battle. By the way, the things we face today are just the same old temptations dressed up in a different fashion or form. They're the same old things we've been dealing with since the fall of man. They've just come to us in a different robe, if you will, today. We've got to hurry. The last one we want to talk about is not necessarily a a piece of the armor, uh, per se, or part of the armor, but it's a key to victory. It's a key to the victory. So we have all these various pieces of the armor. We, we, we prayerfully put them on. And, and here's how. And it's simply this, the power of prayer. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then you'll notice that Paul then goes from verse 18 to verse 19 and he asks for prayer and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. In other words, he turned really quickly after talking about the power of prayer and asked him to pray for him. By the way, we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. We need the prayers of other people praying for us, and they need the prayers of ours praying for them. We don't outgrow prayer. You ever notice that? We don't get to the point where we say, hey, I don't need prayer anymore. In fact, doesn't it seem that the opposite's the case? The older we get, the longer we live, the more we recognize we need prayer. And we're quick to ask people, a lot of us, right? Please pray for me. Some people don't want to ask that. But listen, you're in good stead. Pray for me. Even the Lord Jesus, did He not say, watch Him pray? You know, He's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, Can, would you watch Him pray? They didn't pray for Him. They fell asleep. The power of prayer. In this spiritual battle, we need to be praying for each other. Even in the model prayer when the Lord taught His disciples to pray. What we call the Lord's Prayer. What, are we, what is one part of it? It says what? And lead us not into temptation, but what? 
Deliver us from evil. From evil. The Lord Jesus understood we're in a spiritual battle. He faced it. He's well acquainted with it. In fact, He created the angels who eventually rebelled and fell. He knows them by name. And one of the realities I've tried to impress upon you in this passage of Scripture is the reality that we are in a spiritual battle. And we can't do this on our own. We have to have the power of God. We've got to have the spiritual armor. Now, some people, they practice praying on the armor of God. And so that's why I want you to grab that sheet that I gave you last week. And again, some of you grabbed it today. And this is a prayer guide that can help you if you'd like to begin the process uh, on a daily basis, if you will, or ever how often you want to do this, if you choose to do this, to where you literally pray on the armor of God. I want to walk you through this. And in fact, what I want to do today is I want to close out the service by us praying on the armor of God. And so what I'm going to do is walk you through on the right-hand side there, piece by piece. We'll talk about it, mention the prayer prompt, and then I'm going to pause and give you some time, give myself some time, to talk to the Lord about that piece of armor and pray it on. Does that make sense? Now I want you to look on the right side of that page where it says, Equip me, Lord. You'll notice just the different pieces we've studied. There's the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, those gospel shoes we talked about, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then finally the attitude of prayer. Now here's what we're going to do in closing. I want to go through these pieces. I left time to do this. And I want us to pray them on. We're going to start with the belt of truth. Here's your prompt. Here's your suggestion. May your truth rule in my heart and be in my mind and on my lips today. This is all about the truth. Would you take a moment there unless we bow in prayer to walk through and would you pray a prayer like that asking God to help you to put on the belt of truth. You can use the words right from the sheet. You can use your own words. But you're praying that you would live out the truth in your life. Lord, help us to put on the belt of truth. To know the truth to love the truth, to obey the truth, to live out the truth, to share the truth in our lives this day. Now we move to the breastplate of righteousness. Apart from you, there is no righteousness. But through Jesus, we've been born again and made righteous in your sight. And so we're praising God for the righteousness that He's given to us. And then we're praying, may we live as a righteous person. It's kind of a twofold thing. Would you praise the Lord for the righteousness He gave you in Christ and ask Him to help you to live a righteous life this day?
Father, you've set all of our righteousnesses as filthy rags. But we know as believers we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. His righteousness has been credited to our account. We rejoice in that and give you praise and glory. Now help us as new creations in Christ through your power to live a righteous life. To live right, to do right, to behave right, to act right in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. Next, there's the feet fitted with the readiness that comes to the gospel of peace. Here's the prayer prompt. May I reflect the gospel in my words and actions that through me, with my every encounter, others may be drawn one step closer to you. We stand upon the gospel. We want to live out the gospel in our words, our actions, in our life with those we encounter. Would you take a moment and would you pray about that? that God would help you to have on those gospel shoes. Father, would you help us to be gospel-centered Would you help us to recognize that we can't add anything to the gospel nor subtract anything from it. It is finished. The death, burial, and resurrection, the finished work of Christ. We stand in that and stand upon that today. Help us in every interaction with every person to keep the gospel front and center. To look for opportunities that we can take a step toward sharing the gospel clearly. Help us to be submissive in your spirit's leading in this and help us to never be ashamed of the gospel. We move to the shield of faith. May I take you at your word concerning promises about the present and future, promises of everlasting love, abundant life, and so much more. And so as we face so much in our world and those fiery darts of the enemy and it seems like these things are not true, we know they are true. Whatever God has said is true. Whatever God has promised is going to come to pass. And we, yield, we use that shield of faith. Would you take a moment and pray through this that we would truly believe God, stand on His promises, and live them out in our life. Father, the devil's a liar. Our world lies to us so much. Help us to take the shield of faith and to ward off those fiery darts that come at us. Help us to believe you. Help us to rest in your promises. Help us to stand upon them knowing that you never lie, you never fail, you're always on time. And you're always perfect in your timing. So we rest in you as we take up the shield of faith today. Just a few more pieces. The helmet of salvation. Thinking right. Guarding our minds. Remind me that nothing can separate me from your love and that I've been saved by grace. In your grace, help me to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. So we're praying about our minds, our thinking, that we would think biblically, think Christ-like, think in a way that would honor Him and not allow into our thinking garbage and sin. Would you take a moment and pray about your mind and put on the helmet of salvation? Father, we know that much of the battle goes on in our minds and our thinking. So help us to have the mind of Christ, to fill our minds with the Word of God, to think upon things that are noble and trustworthy and beautiful, things of virtue and praise, things that are in line with Your will, and guard our minds from that which would defile them. Help us to have a clean mind. Then the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. May your Holy Spirit reign in my life and bring to my mind just the right Bible verses to be in my heart and on my lips. May I be filled with the Spirit and ready with Scripture as you were, Jesus, when the devil tempted you. And so think about the sword of the Spirit and what is it, what area maybe you need to find a verse or two to take up and defeat that temptation, defeat the enemy in that. Would you pray for a moment about taking up the sword of the Spirit? Father, would you help us to fill our minds and our hearts and our mouths with the Bible? That, Lord, even when people ask our opinion about something or what we think about something, may your word come out, not our word. Help us, Lord, to take those swords and to defeat the enemy and the temptations that come. Help us to fall in love with the Bible. Finally, we're talking about the attitude of prayer. Your prayer prompt says, Remind me to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Cause me to be alert and always praying for the saints. To be joyful and to give thanks in everything. So we want to pray for a moment about our prayer. That we would pray right and pray often and pray in the Spirit. And then, would you do this? Would you pray for one another? Would you take just a moment and pray about your prayer life and then pray for each other? Father, forgive us for when we don't pray. What pride we show to live a prayerless life. We are absolute dependent upon you today. And we cry out to you and ask for your help. Make us men and women of prayer. May this be a house of prayer. 
May prayer fill our minds, our hearts, our homes, and our lives. We pray for each other today. As the battle is real and the enemy would love to take our brothers and sisters down just as he wants to take us down. We pray against him. We pray for your protection. We resist him in your name and in your power today. He would seek to do harm to this body of believers. Lord, I pray that you will stop him in his tracks and not allow him to have a foothold or a victory in this place and in this body of believers. Lord, help us to continue to grow in this whole idea of the armor of God and help us to love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can take that sheet that we've given you and obviously you can use it however you want. But can I just tell you, just I just had the thought as we did that together, that was so helpful for me. It was a reminder to me as we prayed on each piece to just, just declare our dependence upon the Lord. That we really do need you, Lord, to guard our hearts, to guard our minds, to stay gospel-centered, to be careful what we say and how we speak and be careful of temptation. So I would encourage you to use that piece as often and as much as you'd like. Well, you know, we started out by talking about onward Christian soldiers. And I thought, well, I think maybe we could close the close the service today with that old song we used to sing in, in vacation Bible school after we pledged to the Christian flag. So we'll just do one verse, then we'll be dismissed. We love you all. And be encouraged. Be strengthened. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. The enemy's real. 660 is this. We'll just sing the first verse, and then we'll be dismissed to go out into the battle. Make sure you've got your armor on. 660, Onward Christian Soldiers. Let's stand together.